Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Shuffle the Pack. I am one of your hosts, Gary Swan, and with me, as always, is my co-host extraordinaire, the Steelers to my Cleveland Browns. It's James Wagstaff. How are you doing, James? Yeah, good. Starting to get a bit nervous, but um, very exciting for sort of playoff football. Obviously, we've had to wait patiently for our turn. It's nice, obviously, watching all the other games, safe in the knowledge that the Packers were already through. But uh, it's business week now. I'm, I'm getting very, very excited for Saturday's game. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to look ahead to. We'll get to that later on when we have uh, when we have a guest on later on. Um, but first up, I think we need to discuss the, the games previously to know who we're going to be up against. Um, so if we're doing chronological order, we'll go with the Colts-Bills first. What do you think about that game? Did you watch much of it? Yeah, so I watched an awful lot of uh, football this weekend, as I'm sure a lot of people did. Um, it was, you know, overwhelming almost at one point, about 18 hours or 19 hours worth of American football to sort of watch. The, my girlfriend was most pleased at the fact that I spent <laughs> numerous hours watching watching it. But, uh, yeah, no, very enjoyable. Um, there was, you know, the odd letdown game here, the Bears. But other than that, I thought we were, from a stand point of view, it was a, yeah, a very solid week and some, some really good competitive matchups. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sorry, just to jump in there, like the the Colts Bills specifically, like there there wasn't really a point when either team could have won it until almost right at the death, and even then, it still felt like that the the Colts were probably the better team on the day. Yeah, I mean, you have to look back at some of those sort of mistakes from the Colts. Obviously, they had the ball at the two yard line late in the the first half, and and they go for it on fourth and down, and they don't get that. They give the the Bills the ball back with about sort of a minute and change left and the Bills drive down the length of the field um, and score a touchdown which is just you know that sort of momentum changing play where you, you, you've got points on the board and you miss and then they, they also missed a field goal which you know Blankenship their kicker who'd been really really good in his rookie season throughout this year missed that kick and they ended up losing the game by, by three points so it's these fine margins in playoff games that, that they cost you uh, and your your season's done and I think the Colts they've, le- they've learned the hard way because yeah I, I do agree with you I thought on the day they were the better side the Bills were also very good uh, and it really one of, one of those games you could have gone either way um, and it was I would say the game of the weekend just because as you mentioned earlier you didn't know which way it was going to go until the very last minute is that Hail Mary sort of fell incomplete for Rivers, which rather embarrassingly didn't even reach the end zone. Uh, but that's another point, I suppose. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a cracking game, and I say probably the best of, of the entire weekend, even though it was the first one. I mean, I, I, I personally enjoyed the last game of the weekend. I, I stayed up to watch it thinking it'd be an absolute blowout in the opposite direction, but it was just it was just too good not to watch. Um, but go, speaking more specifically about the Coles Bills, I think Josh Allen, I mean, we, we've kind of spoke about it quite a lot. The, uh, quite a lot this season but I think Josh Allen is definitely going to be maybe not as good as uh, Mahomes but he's definitely in the, the sort of like the Lamar Jackson bracket of just below the super elite do you know what I mean? Yeah I mean I've been following the sport now for, for a decade and, and I don't think I can say that I've ever seen a quarterback improve in the dramatic fashion that we've seen Josh Allen this, this season comparatively to where he was the first two seasons I think where he is from a, a part, just a pass completion percentage now, you don't typically see quarterbacks might, you know, average 5% higher each year. But to, to go to improve as drastically as he has in that standpoint, to being one of the most accurate passes in the league, from a guy who was, you know, throughout college, throughout high school, even the first two seasons of his career, very inaccurate. That was kind of the, the thing on Josh Allen. He had all the intangibles but never really put it all together and, and this season he's put it all together and some and yeah he's been in top five top three QB in my mind this year and it has been yeah tremendous to watch and it is exciting to see someone with that level of athletic ability obviously on the in the running game as well uh, he's such a big body almost like Cam Newton-esque because uh, it was such a large frame and he's relatively quick as well uh, to combine that with the, the accuracy from the pocket makes him a, an incredible weapon and, and someone that's going to be very interesting to watch for the next decade plus if he stays and continues to play at this, this level. Yeah, I think the Bills have got someone to, to build a whole team around and it's not like they, they don't have things already there. I mean, they've traded quite well this last uh, season or two to give him the weapons and it seems like it's all paying off now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a team building angle, the Bills, you know, for, 
for years and years had been in the doldrums. They were one of the laughing stock franchises of the NFL for, for a long, long time. Uh, and in recent seasons, obviously, they brought um, Brandon Bean in as the GM um, and Sean McDermott as head coach. And they seem to have just absolutely clicked. And it seems that they can't do wrong, any wrong in Western New York at the moment. Every decision they make just seems to, to turn to gold. Obviously, they drafted Josh Allen at the time he came out of college. There was a lot of scepticism, which, you know, rightly or wrongly, and after the first two seasons, you'd say fairly rightly, but they've clearly, you know, they've got their man. Uh, and then, obviously, the, the trade for Diggs just looks absolutely inspired at this point in time. You trade a first-round pick and you get a guy who leads the league in receiving yards. You, you really you can't ask for better than that. You, they couldn't, in their wildest dreams, have imagined it would have been as much of a success as it has. Um, so yeah, no, they, they've done incredible, and I'm very excited to see where this this Bills team sort of goes from here. Really, yeah. I mean, I, I, we haven't really spoke about it too much over the course of the year. I don't know if we've just not been consciously thinking about it or anything. But I would actually quite like to see a, a Packers Bills final in the Super Bowl. Um, I know we sort of touched on probably the Chiefs, or whatever else uh, in the AFC, but it'd be, I think it'd be quite nice to see the Bills there. Yeah, I'd certainly be sort of keen for for that uh, I, I've mentioned on, on previous podcasts that I've always had a bit of a soft spot for, for the Bills um, just because you know their, their history I mean any team that goes to four straight Super Bowls and loses all four and then doesn't get back there for, for years on an end I mean in fact their playoff their win against the Colts was their first win since that, that last Super Bowl they went to which is just absurd they go to four straight Super Bowls and, and their fans although you know very gutted they lost all those Super Bowls I think they're going to wait a quarter of a, uh, of a century to see their team win a playoff game again. So, yeah, it's very exciting uh, what's going on there. And I think that would be a cracking matchup. Um, I think a lot of people would be very excited if that was the, the Super Bowl matchup. You'd have to argue those are two of like, the stronger teams in the league at the moment. Um, right, well, we'll press on. Um, so, Rams Seahawks wasn't the result. I thought it was going to be 30 20 to the Rams. Yeah, so, so I, when we predicted the games last week, I, I went with the, the Seahawks. Um, we mentioned on our sort of preview for that game that, that there was a very strong chance that, you know, the, the Rams, D, it is legitimate and, and, and they showed up and boy, they were incredible. They made Russell Wilton look bang average on the day. He looked like a, a backup. They looked like sort of John Wolford, the quarterback that started for the Rams. And obviously, I mean, Goff came in in relief for him after he, he got a pretty nasty-looking slash neck injury. And Goff was okay, not great. There was a lot of passes that didn't quite were wider than Mark, and it does look like that issue that he's had with his thumb is hurting him a little bit. Um, but they did enough. They leaned very heavily on their defence and Cam Akers on the ground and, and won it the old-fashioned way. Got a pick six, which was a huge momentum swing and, and they really dominated the game. I think the scoreline makes it look a lot closer than it, it really felt when you, when you watch the game. Uh, the Rams got one touchdown to DK Metcalf on a broken play. But, you know, it was a bit of a fluke, really. Uh, Wilson escapes out of the pocket, keeps one deep. Metcalf, it wasn't, you know... <laughs> in the play call it was just a bit of a you know this something opens up down the field on a sort of scramble drill and then they scored another touchdown when the game was already in, in hand uh, which made the score look much more respectable the Rams absolutely dominated them um, their office on time was awful it seemed like a Rams defender was constantly in Wilson's face for pretty much the entirety of the game um, and yeah it, it is Rams D is, is very, very good um, and they are playing hard at the moment and that is going to be something obviously when we preview the game a little bit later in the pod but it's, you know, they're, they're, they're a great unit. Yeah, as, as you say, we weren't necessarily going to go too much into the detail about the, the Rams D because it is quite scary and also we're doing a little bit of a preview later on anyway um, when Matt joins us but the Seahawks just looked pretty average as you said. Um, there was no sort of, they didn't look like there was any drive about them. They, they were just sort of like there just to assume they'd won already. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, we, we've mentioned it a couple of times on, on, on this podcast over the last few weeks, but something's not quite right with Russell Wilson. Obviously, 
in the early portion of the season, he was by all counts, you know, the, the front runner for the MVP. Obviously, we would have argued very differently that it was, you know, number 12. But it's thing that the media, after about five, six weeks, had already sort of handed him the, the trophy, so to speak. Um, and then it, it seems like he hit a wall. He came and get gun shy. I mean, his pass, his completion percentage was below fifty percent on the game in the game against the Rams, which, for a quarterback of his ability, is is, is piss poor. There's no two ways about it. He should be doing better than that. Now, whether or not that's the offensive scheme, uh, they've actually got rid of uh, their offensive coordinator. Uh, they, he was sacked yesterday, so it'll be interesting to see how they come back next season. But for a team who were predicated on such a high octane explosive offense, they've got weapons as good as Metcalf and, and Lockett in that offense, they should be doing a lot better than they are. I wonder if uh, I wonder if much of that's down to Russell Wilson trademarking let Ross cook. The arrogance behind it, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, since he trademarked that, he's been absolutely awful. If he has been cooking, it's, everything's been done because it's fucking shit. And shit so. I mean, you're the, the professional that hurts, man. Yeah, <laughs> as the resident chef, you should know. <laughs> Um, all right, so moving on then, the, the Bucks against Washington football team. Um, I think we all kind of knew which way the result was going, but I don't think many of us expected to see the game play out like this. Washington put up a fair fight, I think. Like. Yeah, I mean, more so than anyone would have predicted, I think. And, and the, the game script was, was one on the head going into this game. The, the consensus speak, so to speak, was that if Washington was to have a chance, they were going to have, the, the defence was going to have to play out of their mind. They were going to have to pressure Brady and, and really, and that was the, their only hope. But nobody um, was saying that Tyler Heineke was going to come in and have the game of his life and keep this game to a close. Now, having watched the game, I don't think that it was ever in doubt. I feel like Tampa Bay really always had another gear if they wanted to. Brady looked crisp the entire game and, and looked as though if he wanted to he needed to he had the weapons that he could sort of and they would score with regularity whenever the game got close but when everyone was predicting a complete and utter blowout the Washington football team so they did give them a good account of themselves yeah it was weird it's like the, weird, the, the hardest job interview that Tyler Henneke's ever had I think um, but he's probably got himself at least a backup spot somewhere for the next couple of years, just off the back of this game alone. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you see some of the backups and the standard of, of play from some of those guys um, in the league, for Tyler Heineke to, to or Taylor Heineke to come in and, and perform in the way that he did, um, yeah, he definitely is deserving of one of those backup spots. Uh, whether or not he started sort of quality remains to be seen. Uh, you'd want to see, obviously, more of a sample size than, than one or two games, but he certainly should be in the mix um, to, to, to at least be sort of in the question, I think. If uh, if Mike Glennon can get a, a consistent backup job, then that's then Heineke has to be another shout because Mike Glennon is an actual factual like giraffe. He's not an, he's no he's no good as a quarterback, but as like African wildlife, he's pretty good. Um, so like trying to justify Heineke not getting a job over him is just ludicrous. I think um, I don't think we really need to worry too much about that game because it's kind of as as expected. I mean the the, the Defense for Washington were pretty pretty strong, but we kind of knew that was going to happen anyway. But as you say, like it looked like um, the box always had that extra sort of step if they needed it. So we could probably move on from that pretty quickly. Um, Ravens Titans was a strange game. I watched bits. I don't think I watched all of it. I watched, definitely watched bits of it, but it never seemed like it was ever in control by either one of them. No, it was another. It was a very interesting game. Uh, I thought obviously these two teams that they've kind of. Formed a bit of a, a rivalry of late, and they played three times now in the last sort of calendar year. And prior to this game, the Titans had won the last two matchups. Game starts, and, and they jump out to an early sort of ten nothing lead. Lamar Jackson throws probably the, one of the worst interceptions you're likely to see. And you think, here we go again. The Ravens have come into the postseason; they've absolutely bottled it. They're not turned up. Play and credit where credit was due, but they did start to turn the game around. It took a sort of miraculous Mar Jackson scramble uh, that was really, you know, no other quarterback in the league could even something half as good as, as what he was able to do. Sort of weaved his way for about a 60 yard run, um, and it, 
and that really sort of set the game on light for the Ravens after that, that they were able to consistently sort of move, sort of have drives that got going and they, and they really did incredibly well to, to stop Eric Henry. They pretty much cancelled him out of the, the game plan. They held him to, to 40 yards on 18 carries. For a man who's coming off of a 2,000-yard regular season, is incredibly impressive. Um, and that was really where the, the game was won, I think. When you look back at this this game, that the moment you probably everyone's going to remember is when uh, the Titans have the ball in the Ravens' half, and it's fourth and two. They're down by, I believe at this point they were down by four points, uh, and they got Derek Henry in the backfield, and they decide to punt the back. They gain a net twenty-five yards field position advantage by punting the ball back, and the game was over after that. The, the Ravens were able to put together a really long field goal drive and they, they, that was it. The game was done and, and they, they lost it and completely wasted their opportunity to, to potentially go through to the next round. Do you, do you think the wheels are coming off a little bit in, in Tennessee? I don't know necessarily if the wheels are coming off. I personally think that they gave a fairly good account of themselves. This Ravens team, as we mentioned before, have got hot at the right time. I certainly wouldn't fancy facing this Ravens team at the moment because they really do pose a very different challenge to pretty much every team in the league. Uh, the way that they can run the ball and they can control, dominate um, time of possession in such a, an aggressive manner, uh, I think it's difficult. And, and defence plays as, as well as it did against the Titans, then they're going to be a very tough out. So I'll give you know Tennessee some leeway. I, I think that they just came up against probably the the most informed teams in the league and they played them still but they really need to get that defence sorted out because they've got a tremendous offence the pieces they've got in place are, are really good uh, and if they could fix that defence then you could argue that they could really make a strong case for making a run at two whilst their defence is as bad as it is that, that they'll you know be perennial challenges but not they won't be able to get over that hump they'll be the Tottenham of the, uh, of the NFC Pretty much, yeah. With the United, always just getting to the semi-finals and, and never any further. Um, right. So next up, we have got the the Nickelodeon game, which was actually more entertaining to watch on Nickelodeon than the actual game itself. Like we, I think we all kind of knew the Saints were going to win, um, but the Bears just they didn't look interested at all. I don't think. No, it, it was a bit of a damp squib of a game after what. All the previous games prior to that point had been very good matchups. Uh, they'd gone down late in, in the game, even though, even if you thought you kind of knew what was going to happen, at least it was, you know, there was still a fair amount of intrigue for the most of the game. Whereas this game, very shortly after the second half started, very clear that there was no way the Bears were going to be able to put enough points up on offense to come back in this game. I mean, when the score is seven nothing, they drop a would-be touchdown in the end zone, and you know that's as good as it got for the Bears' offense. They had they went over eight on third down in the game, which is just horrific. I mean, to to not even manage to pick up one third down uh, in a playoff game, I mean, it's embarrassing um, from the Bears' standpoint, and they got what they deserved, which is absolutely nothing. The, the the Bears have got form for doing sh- stupid opening drives and and like not managing to make it. I watched a video by I think John Boys um, about like, I think it's actually like the saddest punt or whatever is on YouTube. It's like a total like maths nerd just horseshit thing. It's not like I put on the floor sleep to. Um, and it, there's I think there was the Bears against the Seahawks or something like that where the, their first eight possessions ended in a punt and they only had eight possessions the whole game. Wow! I don't even think they scored a point in that game at all. It was, Actually, really interesting. Really, I'll link it to you later on. But I mean, you're probably born shitless. But it was really interesting for a while. Um, Drew Brees, is this his last year? I think so. I mean, all of the rumours that are coming out at the moment have pretty much confirmed that. I mean, you're talking about heavy hitter insiders. You know, your Ian Rappaport's, your Adam Schefter's that are coming out and saying as much that you know they're very strongly to believe that this is his last year. Um, I think his play. I think he probably knows it himself that it has sort of dropped off. Now, as a squad, they're still incredibly dangerous just because that team, I think, bar the QB, is probably the most complete team as a whole in the entire NFL. That Their defence 
although they were only playing the Bears, they were so, so good in that game. Their offensive line is, is excellent. It blocks, they block so well. They've got a great running game. Obviously, Mara, one of the premier running backs, they've got good receiving talent. So, there's really the only flaw in that team seems to be um, how much you believe in, in Drew Brees. So, you know, can that team carry him to a Super Bowl? I think absolutely. We saw that with obviously Peyton Manning at the end of his career when he had a, obviously an exceptional defence. So, it'll be intriguing to see how they get on, obviously, this week against the Bucks. Strange when teams play each other three times in a season. Uh, but that would be a good game between two QBs. Well, that's it. Eh? I mean, if if I, I, you know, I was going to go down the, the that game route, but then we're going to talk about it in a little bit anyway. Um, the the cap space at the Saints. I think, as far as I'm aware, they're in like deep shit for the cap space. Um, Drew Brees is a big, big amount of that. But he, if he, I think he signed a contract with his NBC or CBS or something like that to do commentary next. Well, commentary whenever whenever he retires, which could be next year. So it's not like he's going to be losing a huge amount of money I wouldn't have thought so but I'd imagine by this point he's not financially motivated anyway but yeah you'd think so I think that yeah it seems as though it's an almost a foregone conclusion that, that this will be his last run at it he'd love to go out sort of on top of the mountain uh, at this point in time and he's got a good shot um, he's got a punch his chance uh, at this point obviously if the were to win this week and Packers were to fall, then they would be hosting the NFC Championship game in a rematch of the uh, very crazy NFC Championship game from a couple of seasons ago in New Orleans. A great chance potentially making another another Super Bowl. But um, yeah, I think this is probably the end of the run. Um, and it does seem that though the Saints have sort of bit the house on this season because, yeah, they are in cap shite next season and they are likely to have to let go. Uh, Number, number of their sort of star players in order to try and balance the books. So it'll be uh, intriguing to see what happens next season. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the Saints are going to do particularly well. Um, what, what is the repercussion for being over cap? So you, you lose draft picks. Um, I mean, the way their cap works is you can always restructure players and just move debt in theory into other, other seasons, is why teams are able to do it. If you keep doing it year and year again, you're going to put yourself in a bleak situation what the Saints have actually already done. That's what they've been doing for years, is just moving um, salaries into the next season, into the next, and also end up in a situation that they are at the moment. Now, it's fine if the salary cap keeps potentially improving. Obviously, this season, with things potentially going to stay the same, or it might get worse, it means that they could be an absolute shite um, uh, trying to sort out. So they might have to let some real key names leave the building um, just to try and balance the books otherwise they'll yeah they'll end up forfeiting all the draft picks for it quite a, quite a severe thing when you if, if Breeze does go and they have to let other people go as well then they really have bet the house on this season but if that doesn't work out for them then it's not a, it's not, it's not going to go well is it next year no you say it could be a, a long rebuild obviously there's huge question marks at the course of the position uh, what they'll do obviously brought Jameis in this season haven't really used him. They started Taysom Hill in those games, but I don't think he looks like a me. So, you're going to re-up with him. I think he's still another year on his contract with the Saints. It'll be interesting to see what they do if Breeze does return. All right. Uh, moving on to the the last game of the weekend, the, what is for us the Monday morning game, uh, the Browns or the Steelers. Now you, I remember this quite clearly. You picked the Steelers to win. And I said the Browns, but only if Baker showed up. And it turned out that we didn't need Baker to show up because Big Ben was dog shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I didn't watch this game because I had work in the morning and you know, 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. bedtimes don't, aren't very conducive to a lot of work the next day. Um, it's fine if it's the Packers, you know, I make allowances. But when it's, uh, it's not the Packers, you know, I've got, got to get my beauty sleep. But... Uh, <laughs> I watched the highlights in the morning. There's a joke in there, but this is an, an audio format, so I won't bother. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I watched the highlights in the morning, and I was well stunned to see the the Browns jumping out to a 28 nothing lead. What if the Browns were going to win? You know, they they would win it in a, in a fashion where it was very very close and went down to the wire. Get out, you know, into such a huge lead. Um, yeah, which was very surprising. 
uh, for that to that to, to, to happen. Credit to, to the Browns, obviously they couldn't have got a better start with a, a touchdown on the first play of the game. Uh, snap over the head of, of Big Ben and, and recovered in the end zone for, for seven, which was huge. And that, they would carried that momentum then forward to, to build a commanding lead that was always going to be too great for the Steelers, it seems. I think I read somewhere that the the twenty eight nothing start that they had was the the highest in a playoff game ever. Yeah, so so the uh, it was the most points in a first quarter of a playoff game ever. The team has scored, which you know that <laughs> there's been a lot of playoff games. So when you're doing things <laughs> sort of that good, you usually expect that you'll probably come out with a, with a win. And you know, fair play to to the Browns and to anybody that's been a fan of that team who've been. You know, perennially absolutely awful year on year out, and they they they've always been a very loyal fan base. So to win a playoff game after so long against your one of your biggest rivals, it, they were yeah beers were had in Cleveland on Sunday night. So where where does this leave Big Ben then? Because he was he, he obviously started the season really well with the the eleven zero start, but he's looked average at best since then. He's, he's, what, he's a £20 million cap if they release him next season or they pay him £40 million. I suspect they probably release him, don't they? It's a tough one, I suppose. I mean, are they going to bring in another quarterback who can perform at the same level he can, even in his sort of lesser state, for £20 million? That's what you're looking at, isn't it? He's £41 million on the cap if you leave it as it is, or £20 million. So can you bring in someone who is as, as effective? Now, he's still through for 500 yards. Now, I mean, they're garbage yards. It doesn't really mean anything uh, in a game that they're obviously losing from, from the outset. Uh, but, you know, no, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that have that level of ability that they can throw to that sort of amount of yardage against an NFL, an NFL caliber defense. So it'll be interesting to see what it is. I mean, from, if you're Big Ben and you turn it down a $41 million Payday. I mean, I'd probably come back for one more year. Just you know, come back, pick, pick up the forty-one mil, and then uh, and then see see you later. Uh, sort of walk off into the sunshine, so to speak. Something something I've seen is that um, the the Pittsburgh center Pouncey, he's looking to retire this year, or he mentioned that he might retire this year. And uh, and off the back of that, Big Ben said that he doesn't want to break in another center. So that could be a sort of subtle way of saying, right, I'm I'm, I'm done if this guy's done. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've seen Big Ben over the years. He's toyed with the idea of retirement on a few occasions. He, he makes a comment it's seemingly every year. It's kind of almost a similar situation, a far situation in the, his last few seasons in Green Bay, where it seems every um, off-season he makes comments like, you know, I don't know, we'll see how my body feels. Um, but he, he invariably ends up coming back. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be an interesting one to track. Um, again, obviously, if, if, if he does leave, Another in, very interesting QB situation. Miraculous, really, when you think about it. I mean, how old Big Ben looks when you compare him to Rogers. Rogers is only one year so younger up. than him, but it looks like. I mean, Big Ben looks like he's you know been Ian McDonald's drinking beers every day for about the last thirty years, and and there's Rogers, you know, looks athletic, taking the league by absolute storm this season. You think that's probably what happens if you treat your body right. Big Ben's had such a hard paper round. You can see every fucking delivery on his face, can't you? Like, it's been so hard for the boy. Um, all right, joining us uh, just now for a Rams preview is friend of the show, previous guest. It's Matt Childs. Matt, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing, Gary? Yeah, good, mate. Good. You're looking forward to a, a defeat on at the weekend? <laughs> oh, I see where you're going with this section then. Um, <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm up, quite optimistic, actually, uh, looking at it. I mean, I'm I'm almost shocked that the Rams are where we are. I mean, we'll get into that in a, in a moment. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a game because obviously good friends with James. So uh, yeah, it's always a always a good one to watch together. I'm sure I'm sure the gloves will be off this weekend. But James, how do you see it going? How do you see it playing? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting from a matchup perspective. I think this week, obviously, we've got the number one scoring offense in Green Bay going up against the number one scoring defense uh, in the NFL. You know, it, it is a strength versus strength matchup. So it'll be intriguing to see obviously which of those two units comes out on top because I think that is the key for the, the, this game. Which one can go on the advantage? I mean, watching the, the Rams play last week, as we touched upon in our sort of review of, of the, the playoff games against Seattle, were unbelievably good. There, there's no way to deny that, as I say. The two 
touchdowns that they did give up. I mean, I say the first one was very fluky and the second one was in garbage time, but they just absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage that they had. Wilson under so much pressure, uh, whether it was Aaron Donald when he was on the field or Leonard Floyd, it just seemed like somebody was constantly in and around uh, Wilson's face. So it's going to be a, yeah, a big job for the Packers O-line. Obviously, and the uh, Bakhtiari, which is always a, you know, it's, it's a big blow this time of year to, to have lost for the season. I think we're going to feel. Um, but yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it as a matchup. I'm intrigued. Fortunately, the weather doesn't seem as old as we would have liked it to be. You know, it's hovering around freezing at the moment. The, the, the forecast, I mean, it would have been nice if it had been, you know, a good minus 10. Get, you know, those Californian players, don't know, in a nice icy cold and <laughs> won't know what's hit them. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I mean, from a personal perspective, obviously being a Packers fan, I would like the Packers to win, but I am very intrigued as to how our resident Rams fan sees this one going, Matt, talk, talk me through it. Where, where are you going to not win? Uh, <laughs> well, I see this game, to be honest, there's so many question marks above it. I mean, obviously there's some massive health concerns, especially from the Rams side. I was looking at the injury report from the last day of training, and it's, I think, Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, Cooper Cup. I mean, just there are three of the biggest names, you know, on, on the Rams. I do expect them to all be available, and uh, along with the likes of Andrew Whitworth, John Wolford, I think Terrell uh, Lewis was on there as well. So, but I think I think if these guys, it depends how how unhealthy they are. There's a reason, you know, they're not practicing or you know having slight participation in practice. Um, and then also, as, as you say, you know, you get up against the the highest scoring offense in in the Packers. So I think that there's a lot of question marks to be to be you know thrown around. But I personally I personally feel that. If if Don, uh, Donald is healthy enough, um, and you know the rest of the defense performs to the level that they have uh, last week, especially as James just mentioned against Seattle, there's no reason that they can't you know um, they can't not win this game in my opinion. Um, one one thing I have noticed as well, so I saw a really interesting stat as well from uh, these you know best off uh, best offense versus the best defense in the postseason. So it's happened apparently, this is, well, this is the 13th time that's happened. Of the 12 times that it's happened in the past, eight times the best defence has come out on top. Um, so I think that, you know, does bode well for the Rams and this sort of situation or in the, uh, this situation in the postseason. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's why I say I'm quietly confident because I think, you know, if the defence performs, you know, there's, there's a very, very good chance that they, they win the game. That is actually an excellent, excellent stat. I, I quite like that. I mean, I don't necessarily like the result from it, but I do like the, the stat itself. Yeah. Um, I think we, we'd be remiss not to talk about the, the quarterback situation in LA. Who's who's going to be taking the first ball? Absolutely. So, I mean, this is one of the big questions that I was saying. So, um, I, I think it will be Goff, um, personally, but I, I, I don't really have any way to, to, you know, back that up massively because, you know, Sean McVay's not said anything about it this week so far of who's going to be playing. I think I'm not even sure as a Rams fan who I want to be starting the, the game because, um, well, with Wolford, I know Wolford had a very good game against the Cards apart from a, a, a well, a terrible first, like, pick that he threw off his first throw. Uh, Reminds me of Brett Favre, maybe. <laughs> but that was actually a, a pick six. <laughs> um, James reminded me of that earlier in the week. Um, but yeah, he had a very good game. Whereas, you know, if you're talking about bad bad picks being thrown, Goff's had some absolute stinkers this year, he, you know, and should have had a couple against Seattle as well, really. So um, I'm not sure who's going to start, but I, I, I'd say... I'd say I'd lean towards Goff at this moment in time. You know, he is the starter. Um, I, I can only presume his hand's going to be a b- bit more healthy. Um, and, yeah, hopefully, as you say, the, the weather as well. If it was real cold, I'd be real concerned about that hand. I mean, I'm concerned anyway, but, you know, he's just had thumb surgery. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say lean towards Goff to, to be starting. Uh, that would be my prediction. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for, you know, a late change in the weather and, and it gets Older. The reason being is Goff has played thus far three games in his career uh, below freezing. His stat, he's thrown one touchdown against 11 interceptions with a, a, a passer completion percentage below 50%. 
uh, and that's without having a, a gammy hand. So hopefully <laughs> it's really cold. Um, I think that's where, you know, a lot has been talked about it with this matchup of the offense versus defense, Packers O versus Rams uh, defense. But I don't think en- enough has been spoken about about the, the Rams offense um, outside of Cam Akers, who they leaned on obviously extraordinarily heavily against Seattle. They, they didn't look very cohesive as a unit. They, they punted an awful lot. And now, obviously, a lot of that relies on uh, the fact that the Goff wasn't really holding the ball very well. He was missing some open receivers. But I, I feel that the, the matchup could come down to if the Packers can score 20-plus points, then I think that they might well sort of move. As long as they don't commit too many, any turnovers, I think that it might be too much for that Rams offense. If the Packers, by the sounds of things and some of the reports coming out, they look like they're going to try and sell out to stop the run. They're going to try and put the ball in in the hands of uh, Goff. And, you know, based on his form in the colder weather, I think that is potentially a recipe. Obviously, it would be key, I think, from a turnover aspect. If the Packers can continue to, to keep it clean, uh, as they have done with great success throughout this season, and that would be key because... Rams are very known to, to give a turnover up. Um, this season, the only game that they didn't um, produce a turnover was actually against Seattle. So if, if the Packers can sort of take a turnover, maybe turn that into some points, because I think we'll be at a, a premium, um, and get to that sort of 21, 25 point mark, I think that it might well be a stretch for, for the Rams to put up enough points. I think it can come massively down to as well as how good a game that the likes of Alan Lazard and and uh, MVS do, because I mean I don't know if you've seen like Ramsey's numbers against number one receiver this year, but yeah, you know he's, where, he's where shutting he, everybody down. Yeah, absolutely. I think that he's that, um, he's had like one touchdown scored against him or something all year, and that was Stefan Diggs, and that was the only catch he had of the game. Um, you see like the numbers, and it's frightening. Everyone's almost below fifty that he's played um, below fifty yards. So, I mean, obviously, the Packers have, have really upped their game in terms of the, the rest of the offence, you know, contributing, I feel, this, se- this season. And that's going to need to continue. You can't rely on Devontae Adams against the Rams this week. And, we're, like, you know, looking at it from, from just that, that simple perspective. Um, yeah. What I was going to say to you guys as Packers fans, though, is where, where do you see, well, after the nightmare of, you know, against that Shanahan offence um, in the playoffs last year, you know, um, how do you guys feel like the the defense has, has responded to that this season, and, and do you think they'll be able to start, stop the run? As you said, Acres was great last week. What do you think? I don't, I don't know about you, James, but I think that the the, the run D has been suspect all season until we got as far as the Titans game, and it just seemed to just click in a place. Yeah, it seems to to have, have turned a bit of a corner, which is is really encouraging to see because it was such a glaring weakness for this team um, up to this point. So the fact that they it, they have seemingly turned a corner now, it, it did seem sort of coming into that Tyson game that yeah that, that they that were getting a bit better, but they were playing against the poor teams and that everyone had that sort of Derek Henry matchup ringed in their in their notebook as a, as a one you know that's going to be a bloodbath for the Packers D. But the fact they were able to do that, and I think they take, they'll be able to take a lot of confidence from that. They also, you know, David Montgomery, who'd been running very, very well for the for the Bears um, up until the, the Packers game in Week 17, they were able to keep him very quiet as well. So I think that they are an improvement. They're not great. Um, I don't think there's anything. Also, they brought in Snacks Harrison, um, who had a few snaps in Week 17 uh, against the Bears. But you'd like you'd expect now that he's had, you know, another two week, full weeks with the team, he's probably snap count is likely to go up. So that he's going to be a big guy in the middle of the, of the defensive line trying to stop that 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 run alongside obviously the players that they've already got in place. So it's going to, I think it could be a very key matchup. I think underrated, I don't think anyone's speaking about Packers running backs at all in this matchup. Aaron Jones does seem a, a, a forgotten man. I don't feel like I've seen him mentioned anywhere in any of the, the previews I've read thus far for this game. And, you know, he's still a, a very, very good player. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know, he had a very good game. You know, Packers sort of lean on the run. They've got very good running back or three away running back things. So I'd be interested to see sort of how they go. Obviously, Rams' D-line is, is pretty mean, though, so perhaps not. 
<laughs> I think Jones is actually a really good running back to have if you're going to lean on your running game in, in this sort of matchup because, you know, they're going to be um, maybe not in, not actually, you know, running on the ground, but in, through the air, like with what he can do. Um, I've seen him this season be, you know, absolutely lights out at time, you know, taking balls in the, you know, just, just out of, um, well, yeah, through the air. So I think that's where, where the Rams could potentially um, have a slight downfall. Um, but yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see which way the, the Packers line up, you know, against that defence for sure. All right, yeah. so on that note, then we should probably have a look at the, the score predictions then. Who wants to jump in first? Well, I'm going to go for mine. Um, so I've gone for... Score prediction of Packers win, but 21-16. So I think it's going to be close. As I say, I think the points might well be at a premium, but I, I, I trust this Packers offense enough to get enough points to beat what I think is you know, an okay, but not great Rams offense. I have exactly the same, 21-16. Pretty much the same reasons as well. So Matt, it's down to yourself. How are you going to break this tie? <laughs> Oh well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a close one, and I'm gonna go with um, I think it's gonna c- come down to a last play of the game, pick six for someone like Troy Hill or, or Darius Williams coming through. You don't see him very often from Aaron Rodgers, but I'm gonna go with a, a twenty a twenty-seven to twenty-three um, victory right at the end of the uh, end of the game where Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers is driving down the field to to try and win it. So, yeah. Do you think Rogers is going to throw his second ever pick at Lambeau? Pick six at Lambeau. Why am I do it as well? Right. Uh, it would be um, it would be a very fitting way to end the season after him getting MVP. <laughs> um, right. Right, so moving on just quickly, then we got the the Ravens and the Bills. Um, anyone want to jump in here? Who's who's the winning? Who's uh, who's not winning? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Ravens. Um, having the performance that they put in now that Lamar Jackson has got that monkey off his back of his first playoff win obviously that was all the talk going into last week's game against the the Titans was you know Lamar Jackson he can't do it in the postseason and I think the pressure released by doing that he's playing almost with with house money that the Bills are the favorite it's very close I think it's a three-point favorite at the moment um, according to Vegas but he doesn't have that same pressure heat on him. Obviously, the first two playoff matchups were pretty poorly, uh, and they they put out in the first time. So the fact that he went on the road and managed to get that first win, I think he puts him in good position. And this Ravens team, I think, are the team that you just don't want to face. I wasn't overly sort of. I, I don't know if, whether we've kind of discussed it earlier whether it was the Colts that played up or the Bills played down a little bit, because you would have predicted going to that game that the Bills, you know, they should have far too much really for the Colts. Uh, and the fact that it was as close as it was, it did give me a bit of pause um, of how good this Bills team is. Um, so I think I'm going to go with the Ravens this week to pull another road road, uh, road win. Uh, I would like the Bills to win for pretty much every reason you didn't, effectively. <laughs> um, I, I'm just a massive Josh Allen fan. Um, I don't, I mean, like, Lamar's good, but he's he's exactly what everyone says he is. He's a running back playing quarterback. Simple as that. I've, I think that the Bills are too too well rounded to to lose to the Ravens, and if they do, it will be a very very close game. You've got like two three points in it. I'd have to agree with you, Gary, there as well. But I think that's a, a little harsh on Jackson for what he did in his MVP campaign to say that he's he is just a running back playing quarterback. I mean, I think he's taken a bit of a, a back step this year, but. Um, I'd have to agree that the Bills are just such a complete team. You can see that in the Dolphins game. Um, you know, we're playing with their backups for half the game, and they absolutely destroyed what has been, you know, quite a good, uh, quite a good Dolphins team this year. Not not amazing, but just just for that standard. And I think I think I'd have to back the Bills in in this situation, being you know with the home advantage as well. Yeah, I didn't even consider the home advantage if if it's it's well, looking at ESPN. They're saying the weather's going to be three degrees and a bit snowy, so it could be. Could play very much in the the Bills' favour. I don't know if that, that if yeah, that favours the Ravens though. Obviously, they rely so heavily on their ground game. Um, they've got such a incredible depth in the backfield, and obviously they've got Lamar Jackson as well, who, as you say, can run like the best of them. So I don't know if a really snowy game where you rely on on running backs. If you look at the Bills' running back room, Zach Moss uh, actually got injured and he's now been put on IR after the the, the game against the Colts. 
um, and they actually brought in Devonta Freeman, who you know he was previously um, of Falcons fame, but has been pretty crap, crap of late. So be, I think it, if it was to be really snowy and, and not of great conditions, that might actually play more into the, to the Ravens fans. That's a good point. What do you guys feel? Uh, sorry, you may have already touched upon this, but um, with home advantage, like obviously it's not quite as big a, a deal at the moment, like um, in in the current conditions with like a lack of fans. I suppose, or actually in in uh, Buffalo, I don't know what the rules are in New York. You know, um, with the fans, but how much of an impact do you think that makes? Like not having the not having the fans there. I mean, if you just look at the wildcard results, obviously four of the six games, the road team won. Obviously, each team is a varying degree of fans allowed in the building or not. Um, I, I think the, the Bills got about 12,000 um, from memory that they're allowing in, in the thing. And it looked, I mean, it's still empty. Obviously, they're massive stadiums, but there was at least a bit of noise when the Colts were on offense, which, you know, is, is a welcome down this season um, but it shows that their the advantage just isn't as much there you don't typically see such a skewed statistic as sort of 60% of the games or 66% of the games going uh, to, to the away side and whether or not that was just purely matchup based or yeah and more of a fluke but if you look even across the whole season I think it was almost sort of neck and neck road and home teams winning um, at home so it clearly had a massive impact on you well, looking at the, the ESPN page that I've got, the only stadium that's allowing fans in is Arrowhead down in Kansas. Um, tickets are apparently as low as $418 each. You know, low is that much. <laughs> There's, there'll be fans at the Packers game this weekend. There's going to be 8,000. Um, they sold out in 27 minutes. Uh, they, they put 6,000 on sale to season ticket holders and 2,000 are going to uh, healthcare workers. So there, there will be... There's been about 500 to 1,000 uh, families and friends and healthcare workers in the last four Packers games, but there will be some presence um, this week. Again, it's, it's an 80,000-seater stadium, so how loud they'll be is probably going to be limited, but there's certainly going to be some crowd noise as opposed to dead silence. Fair enough. Um, that's, uh, that's ESPN getting me wrong there, bastards. Um, right, Browns, <laughs> Chiefs then. So, I mean, despite... The, the Browns performance if you look at the actual box score they only actually won one quarter um, up against the Chiefs team that always look like they've got like another gear to go um, how do we see this one pairing up? I wish I could say that the, I think the Browns are going to win because I, I like the Browns and I'd love them to do well and get to you know as far as possible but I just I just can't see it I don't think that they're going to be able to compete their defence has been pretty suspect over the last few weeks they've competed a, a boatload of points um, over the last few, few weeks of the season after they've been hampered massively with, with COVID issues uh, and they've lost their best cornerback but but they, the, the amount of points they're conceding the last thing you want to do is, is turn up to Arrowhead where you've got a bit of a suspect defence game yet their only chance I think is, is leaning exceptionally heavily on the running game um, and just trying to completely control the clock we've seen teams do that in the past um, and they do have a dominant enough offensive line and running back uh, group to potentially pull that off. But I still think that they've got enough to just beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I think it's a offensive outside chance, isn't it? So the idea of the Browns pulling that off, and I'm, I'm the same as you, James. Like I, there's nothing that I, I almost want more other than the uh, Rams win against the Packers. Uh, I'd just love to see Baker, you know, pulling off that. That would be surely one of the upsets of uh, you know of the season if not the upset of the season. But in fact, you know what? I, they've got the likes of like, their, I know their cornerbacks are coming back in Denzel Ward and, and Johnson, I think his name is. Um, and yeah, as you say, if they lean really heavily on the run game, I think, you know, the Chiefs have almost lazily got to their incredible record this year. There's there's times where they've looked like they're almost going to lose. They do sneak it, you know, sneak through. But as you say as well, you know, there's an extra gear to go to, I think, with the Chiefs. So that's why I think they're massive favourites. And I'd have to pick them, you know, going into the weekend. Yeah, I think they're, they're like 10-point favourites already without even, like... It's probably not going to improve much even when, like, the fancy's back and their, all their other coaches and their playing personnel are all back and stuff like that. The Browns are probably going to lose this. Um, but it would probably be, like, one of the most 2020 things if they go all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, probably. 
Um, and, just, and remember that the tickets can be yours for just $418. Um, so we're probably all going Chiefs then, are we? Chiefs win, all three? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, all right, cool. Um, the next one's quite interesting. Like the last game of the weekend is the uh, Bucks and the Saints. Obviously, the, the Saints have beaten twice this year. Yeah, so it's been a real thorn in Brady's side thus far this season. Uh, obviously, beating them twice in the two matchups that they had in division. Um, they they old adage that it's difficult to beat a side three times a season. I, I know never really know how much to read into that. Just if you're better than the side and you automatically have an advantage, you'd expect them to to to, to do it again. They're playing at home in this game. The Bucks, you know, they they have improved. They're particularly offensively massively in recent weeks, but it does seem that their defence has taken a bit of a slide. It seems as though that they can't put it together at the right time. I mean, we saw earlier in the season when their defence was absolutely on fire against the Packers, they seemingly living in Rogers' face the entire game, but they don't seem to have played at that level since that game. Um, obviously conceding as many points as they did and keeping the game close as they did against you know, Tyler Heine, Taylor Heineke when we were saying, saying his praises but this is a guy who's you know, playing in the fucking AAF a few seasons ago this is a playoff game you should be doing better than that and you've got the Saints who you know they've got they generally got your number um, and they've got a lot more talent uh, quarterback everywhere else on the team so I personally think this will be this will be a loss but they're done. So you're saying the Saints win there, yeah? I think they're just too complete of a team. I think that it's such a good defense. They got too much, too many weapons on, on offense. You just gotta think that's gonna be the, the last win for Drew Brees before he retires as well. <laughs> before he loses in a cold snow land boat. Exactly. <laughs> um, what about yourself, Matt? Where, you, where, where would you see this one going? Um I I think, you know, it, it's as as complete a team as the Saints are, I just feel like um, with Tom Brady, you never know what will happen. Like, look, he's he's really kicking into gear. He's he's playing really well these last few weeks. Um, that you know they've got all the weapons on offense that are actually starting to come together a bit. You know, I think when it comes, you know, there could be some clutch plays in there to like, you know, you've got players with the 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 caliber that is like, you know, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. I, even though they're you know getting on a bit, I, I just feel like in these sorts of playoff scenarios they've got the experience and and they could pull them through. I think it'll be a close one. I think it'll be a high scoring one as well because as you say that Bucks defense is a, a little bit suspect. But um, yeah, like the Saints as, as as complete a team they are. You know, Michael Thomas hasn't been as with it this season. Um, like if they can shut down Alvin Kamara, who knows? Who knows what could what could happen there? No, I, I see this one going Saints myself. Um, mm. I don't, I don't see Kamara getting shut down quite as easily. Like as, as James just said, like the Bucks defense isn't as shit hot as it was maybe a couple of months ago. Um, I'm not quite sure what's happened there, but even even their offense is like their running backs have just thought sort of died a death a little bit. Um, they're, they're relying heavily on on a declining Tom Brady. I mean, not declining by a normal standard, obviously, but declining by Tom Brady standard. So. And then I see this as a Saints win as well. I think my, you know, hatred of Tom Brady as well does do this. I mean, I don't want him to win another Super Bowl. It would be really upsetting. So I keep on the back against him. <laughs> but so, I'm in exactly the same boat that I'd want. I'd want him to. Uh, that I'd want him to lose. To be honest, I don't want to see him go there and, and do it again. Um, as impressive as that would be. But um, that's part of part of that. that I just feel like it's inevitable. He's going to do it, and that's why, almost why, I'm kind of back in the Bucks here because it is Tom Brady, and he always has a big way of saying "fuck you" in the end. Uh, but you got to remember, Matt. You know, the the, the old adage applies, doesn't it? It's like, "fuck Tom Brady." <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing that would be interesting if the Bucks were to win uh, and the Rams were to win as well that the Bucks, who finished as the NFC's fifth seed would be hosting the NFC's sixth seed uh, in the NFC Championship game. Now, that has never, ever happened before. Uh, that a team that finished uh, in the uh, wild card didn't host a, a playoff game in the first round would then host a championship game. Now, I obviously very much hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, being a little bit of a stat, it would be interesting. Does anyone know if that's ever happened before, where a team's hosted a championship game and then hosted the Super Bowl as well? Because that would be the case as well if they got there, wouldn't they? Never happened before. The closest uh, it came to was when the Vikings 
you to host the Super Bowl. Um, so no team has ever actually played in a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Vikings got to the NFC Championship game, but the Eagles, um, who were the one seed at that time, they also got through. So they played the NFC Championship game and got absolutely fucking waxed, thankfully. Um, <laughs> by, by the Eagles, and then the Eagles obviously played the Pats in, in the Super Bowl. But that's the closest any team has ever come one game away from playing a home Super Bowl. Was that another miracle in Minnesota as well? Yeah, so that was the that was the divisional round against the Saints. Then they then they went to uh, Philly to play the champion game, got absolutely smashed by it. And uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. All right, fair enough. On that little uh, trip down memory lane, should we move on to MVP this week, chaps? Yeah, so so I've gone with Nick Chubb um, for my MVP this week. Um, I think. The, the game, you know, in typical Browns fashion, they jump out to the 28 nothing lead. But, you know, similar to the Packers, they can't do anything easy. They can't do, be comfortable. They have to let the other team back in just because otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be fit fit the narrative. They let the Steelers start to, to get back in the game just when they need it most. They, they, they throw the ball to Nick Chubb. Already, you know, got about 70 yards on the ground. Uh, and, and he goes sort of 40 yards, takes it 40 yards to the house, um, kills the game. The, the division round, so I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. I was going to go with the whole Browns offense um, until I actually looked at the box score, and it's actually fairly pathetic. It's just one good quarter, and the rest are pretty brownish. Um, but yeah, Nick Chubb's probably like the standout of all of them. So Nick Chubb's mine as well. I'd say I have to say a shout out to. Uh, I can't really give him MVP for it, but I love the idea of Kevin Stefanski sitting in his basement having a beer, watching it with his, with his phone turned off. So, uh, <laughs> it's I his feed was like maybe. 45 seconds after his kids or something. They were watching on TV up the stairs and they were shouting. He's like, oh, fuck, my God. <laughs> did he have a crafty half-time way? Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> did. <didn't> he? <laughs> I probably don't enjoy it. Well, I think I can fit one in. I'll uh, I'll be um, from from my what uh, MVP uh, maybe it's a bit biased but I love watching Cam Akers play against the Seahawks last last week. Um, you know he's uh, to be a rookie. You know he's playing so well. I'm really excited. I thought I was gutted when Gary left, or maybe not under the circumstances, but you know in in general I was you know to have a superstar running back and and to lose him and then get someone like Cam Akers who looks from maybe half the season that I've seen him play. He looks a real deal, and um, I think it was a great first playoff performance or uh, well, postseason performance by Cam. Wasn't that like 176 yards against the Seahawks or something like that? Yeah, he, he just seems to constantly have the ball and constantly be getting through, you know, uh, impossible gaps and, and finding space. And yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope we keep he, was my, uh, he was my strong choice, but I didn't want to give it to the Rams player because of playing him this week. <laughs> 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 I am that petty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, what about the uh, Mr. Irrelevance this week? So I've gone with Mike Vrabel. Um, this is a man who has previously said that he would cut his own dick off to win a Super Bowl with the Titans. But when faced with a, a situation of fourth and two inside Baltimore with three minutes left of the game, you and not to go for it, to be that much of a wimp to just not have the stones when you've got Derek Henry in the backfield, who's run for 2,000 fucking yards. And your team, uh, they might not have gone to win, but at least you've got to give them every possible chance. And yeah, I think that, you know, he's got to have egg all over his face. Okay. Matt, yourself? Uh, I'd have to go with Juju Smith-Schuster this week. I saw a video of him dancing and, like, laughing around. Uh, I don't even know what the score was, to be honest. It was oh, the, the one in, fourth, in uh, fourth, the fourth quarter or something. Yeah, fourth quarter. They're losing the playoff game against the, the Browns, who, you know, one of the biggest rivals. And he's just dicking about on the field. Like, I could not believe... Like, <laughs> if, if I was a Steelers fan, I'd be like that guy. You've probably seen the video of the guy on Twitter, uh, the Steelers fan smashing up his TV with a ladder. I don't know if anyone's seen that. but I've seen that, yeah. <laughs> see, honestly, if, maybe he saw that. Maybe he saw that little bit of it and he absolutely flipped out because I went up. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I think... Um, Call me old-fashioned, but I'm I'm sick of Schuster shit this year. Like it's just constant, and it's um, I, I just I just don't think it's the way to be when uh, you know you're not performing. He, I mean, he's been outperformed for a lot of this season by you know Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, um, and you know he's just got the, the arrogance of him. I, I just I just personally don't like it. So any excuse to you know shit on his name. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I've gone for I think I've dipped in this well before, but I've gone for the entire. Uh, Houston Texans organization because 
they're, they're, it's like they're trying to alienate Deshaun Watson. Um, they had a chance to request an interview with, I think, Eric Bieniemy is the number one target, but they waited too long. So now, because the Chiefs have got a game coming up this weekend, the, there's like no interference or no tampering or whatever it was. There's like a clause in the in the the contracts for like contacting coaches and stuff like that. Um, so they're not allowed to do that. So they waited too long. So they have to wait till after the after the Chiefs lose or they went or after the Super Bowl now to uh, interview for the head coach. I just think it's fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, I if they if they trade away Deshaun Watson, who's unbelievable. I mean, there's going to be what twenty six, twenty seven teams in the league that would be snap their hands off. I mean, in the hypothetical never going to happen scenario, would you even consider trading Rogers a first round pick for Watson? I think you'd have to seriously consider it just because of his age um, and what that gives you long term. Um, so. There's going to be teams queuing up, and and whatever the price is, whether it's four ones, you know, it, it's probably still a good deal, just because players of his caliber and his age never come to the market. You just don't get Hall of Fame and quarterbacks age 25 or just there about. It's just teams aren't fucking stupid enough to let them let them leave. So it would be, you know, un- ridiculous if they ever did trade in. There's a, there's a lot of talk going to Miami. Sorry, sorry, I'll go. Oh, I was just going to say, I think I think the Packers would be well. Sorry, the the Texans would be sh- absolutely stupid to to even consider that trade. Like, I think it's almost that's a bit of arrogance as a Packers fan to even suggest that that would be possible. Like, it's, um, I think they, you know, I'd slam the door in your face if you came to me and asked and offered um, Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson, like at, at his age and how good he's shown that he can be in an absolute. Yeah, toilet situation. <laughs> like, oh, I, I mean, I, I don't think it would obviously ever happen. But I was saying that even even the Packers, who obviously have got like this league MVP this season, a quarterback would still you know be interested potentially in that in a deal, which just goes to show you like how mad it would be if the if the Texans would to let him go because it's just ridiculous. Like the teams would be willing to do that, and they would let him let him walk. I've seen a lot of talk about Miami trying to take him on for, was it like the three first rounders and plus two? Can't really see that being a fair trade for the for the Texans, to be quite honest. I mean, they get the draft capital and a quarterback, but they've also lost to Sean Watson. And really, they've only got their own picks back. There was um, Seth Payne came onto the Around the NFL podcast today, and he's he works for The Athletic in, in Houston. Um, and he was saying he made a really good point on that, saying that the Texans franchise since 2002, um, and Watson wasn't drafted until 2015. Um, the entire rest of the time that they had been a franchise that existed, they they were searching for franchise QBs. These players don't come about very often, and when you have one, you do not let them walk. They are your they are the keys to everything. They are the most important part. In the organisation, you either have one or you, or you don't. Um, and he gives them a shot. They were poor this season, but he, he played amazingly. So I, I think it's all probably. I think it will go over. I can't see them letting him go. Well, we'll be hearing about it for months and months and months to come <laughs> during the off season. That's no going to be the story of, isn't it? Um, but I'm just glad that it's you know it's probably a bit more interesting than hearing Carson Wentz get talked about. <laughs> however, man. You know, how many he's gonna end up at the Patriots and just win another Super Bowl anyway. Prick he is. Don't you worry, there'll be plenty of time for Carson Wentz to talk this off season. (laughs) (laughs) And Dak Prescott contract. All the boring shit that happens over the off season. I can't wait, fucking hell. Um right, is there anything else we need to discuss today, chaps? Is there anything anything major we need to worry about? Need to worry about Aaron Donald. Hopefully, you know, his ribs are hurting a lot at this point and you know he can't go. But other than that, Oh, I've got a notification mid mid podcast. Here's some breaking news. Well, maybe 20 minutes ago, but uh, I've got a thing saying Ramstar says his rib injury feels good. I feel good. I feel strong, and I'm I'll be ready on Saturday. Which obviously he's going to say he's not going to say that I'm you know ah oh, fuck my ribs are in bits. <laughs> <laughs> he's got easy on me, boys. My my, my, my ribs are a little bit. That's some. He's actually mad that he's torn his rib cartilage and that he would even consider playing in a football game. Do you imagine how painful that must be? And he's going to go. You know what? I'm going to make. I'm going to go tackle people. I've genuinely considered calling it a work sick if I stub my toe on the way to the shower in the morning. 
Um, right on that note then I think we should probably draw this to a close uh, Matt thanks very much for coming in coming on because obviously you're not here but um, where can we find you if you're on Twitter or something and Matt Childs or something like that uh, it's literally at Matt Childs um, well, uh, how are we spelling that because that sounds quite difficult oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah alright so uh, obviously follow Matt he's, uh, he's full of great content I think probably oh. I like full of you you know what well, if you want to know anything about the Rams or Wolves I'll probably retweet about it but that's about it <laughs> if that's your style then uh, then follow Matt um, otherwise you can follow us at Shuffle Pack on Twitter um, there's things happening in the off season that me and James have spoken about so keep your eyes out for that um, you can email the pod at shufflepackpod at gmail.com that's two weeks in a row I've got that right James I haven't even got it written down either. I'm doing well. That streak. We're on a hot It's only taken us the entire season. That's it. That's what's seven to 18 weeks now, something like that. <laughs> Finally getting there. Um, by the time the new season comes around, I'll have forgotten all about it again. Um, right, on that note then, gents, it's been emotional. It's been lovely. Go, back, go. Okay. Thanks a lot.